Hey everyone, welcome to episode 98 of 15 with Andy, Randy, and the vacation, no, no, not vacationing, no, no, the sabbaticaling, the sabbaticaling yeah. Jeff. <laughs> uh, love is in the air once again this week as we continue in our quest to become as individuals and a church community more perfect in our practice of the greatest of these. Last week, we sent Jeff off on his sabbatical with a great episode where we decided that Living out love is not about what I'm going to get in return, but rather, what am I going to bring? You can watch and listen to both, and you can do that most easily in the Hospital Church mobile app or at our website, hospitalchurch.org. Now on to this week, God's common ground. Oh, boy. God has common ground, Andy. <laughs> uh, you used to ask me other questions. Ask me. <laughs> well, in the synopsis of the message, it said, we believe there is only one God and that God has defined himself as love. So are we open to recognizing that love is a revelation of God in all world faiths, not just Christianity? John seems unequivocal that whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. And that if anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother, well, of course, he is a liar. We have no doubt that Jesus is God and the clearest picture of God's love. And we know that Jesus is the most direct path to experiencing God's love. But we can't get around the reality that whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. Yes, yeah, some of the translations are born of God. So really? whoever, whoever loves is born of God. And if you look mm. at the languages, it works. Um, you know, God's, God sure. birthed. Um, so Ooh. lovers are new birthers. But is this true even if they don't know Jesus? That's it's how that ends. Great question, isn't it? <laughs> Where <laughs> but, do you want me to start? <laughs> well, really, in its simplest definition, what is or what does living in love mean? Because maybe if we don't really get that part, then maybe the other part, maybe the can this really be true? Maybe that doesn't make sense. Well, somewhere somewhere in the planning of the series, Tammy and I passed as ships in the night about the titling of this series. Because the, the title, my original title was the word love, like a definition in a dictionary, you know, the little dots between it and sure. then a colon and then a definition. And the definition being readiness to serve. That love really in its heart is readiness to serve. And so it's not about an emotion. It's not about a feeling. It's willing to be interested in your best good regardless. Okay. Yeah. Can we desire to be and live on the inside track of Christianity and live in love? Yeah, I think we can. can we I, I, I think we can do that. I mean, Jesus was certainly an exemplifier of love, and we're followers of Jesus. Uh, there's no question about that. So those can work together. The challenge is, is that as I look around at people interested in spirituality— Oftentimes, not just within Christianity, I'm talking about in multitude of faiths, that those that seem to be most fundamentalist about their faith want to be superior. Mm, okay. And, and any desire to lord over or be superior to another is the very antithesis of Jesus' following. Right. So okay. it really, it's really troublesome. I, I was talking with John a little bit earlier this week about the sermon and how there are many, many Christians who— while hell may make them sad, relish the idea of a hell because it it's, it gives them it gives them no, it, it gives them clear one-upsmanship over all those people because we know where they're headed. Yeah. Oh man. Well, I like the fact that we can, and that this can be true because if we understand what living in love means and we 
understand that, yes, we can do this. And that gives us some hope that we may as well continue the conversation to find out more, right? Because <laughs> if either of those aren't true, then seemingly we have an issue. Well, and, and this coming week, we'll challenge all of our heads further along that line, but I won't, I won't go Excellent. there. I won't go there yet. Excellent. All right. You <clears throat> said early on in the message, you said Gnosticism was an early heresy that plagued the Christian church in its infancy and which still raises its tempting head today. <laughs> the idea that there is very important salvation enabling knowledge that is intended for or likely to be understood by only a small number of people with a specialized knowledge to grasp it. If you are in the know, then being in the know saves you. Yeah. Okay. So now this sounds a lot like many people's definition of and churches that they grew up in as Seventh-day Adventists. Isn't understanding and keeping, and we'll just go with the foundational Sabbath here, <laughs> isn't understanding and keeping the Sabbath in the know? Uh, and uh, the, knowing, ah, boy, you got, you got me tongue-tied here. Uh, <laughs> knowing and, and keeping the Sabbath is being in the know. It's a wise way to live. Okay. It brings benefits to our lives. Now we know from psychosocial, scientific studies, it's, it's a great thing to have a rhythm of life that takes a 24-hour period of rest. So that's a smart thing to do. Okay. It doesn't necessarily give us an inside track with God. We don't earn anything by it. Our God sends his reign on the just and the unjust. I mean, he, he loves all of his creations with a perfect, unchanging love. The most abject, horrible, horrific opposer of God and the most ardent follower of Jesus, he loves that person with the same love. And and that's that's hard for us to hold in our head. Yeah. But his love is unchanging and it is pure across the board. All right. Well then this would lead nicely. It's almost like somebody planned it this way. <laughs> Ray from Rhode Island asked a question on our Facebook page. This was a believe either during or right after the message. He asked, You mean to say it's about Jesus and not the Sabbath? Meaning, am I allowed to follow Jesus and continue? going to church on Sunday. I mean, as a follower of Jesus, am I allowed to go to church on Sunday? So we kind of put two together there. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, I, it's not, boy, the following Jesus is the critical part. Right. Okay. The practice of obeying the law is a wise way to live. It is not a salvific way to live. We do not save ourselves, whether we whether we kill people or don't kill people or steal or don't steal or Sabbath or don't Sabbath, that's not our salvation. Our salvation is in Jesus. It's a, the, the whole story of Christendom is a story about a person and not the practice of law-keeping. Okay. Uh, law-keeping is still good. I sure. mean, Paul's clear on that. Yeah. But let's not confuse the fact that if I live in love, I may not even know Jesus. Maybe a better question is if a person of no faith— so let's don't mix world religions in here. Okay. Is a person of no faith who truly lives in love, who cares for people, who is a, a person who's willing to give of themselves in service to others and don't know Jesus, have no relationship with Jesus, are they born of God? Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, Paul, I mean, John seems to say so. Right. And so, you know, I mean, obviously, if we're looking for an excuse to do something differently, if we're trying to get out of something, if we're trying to avoid walking in the best wise ways that God has delivered to us, well, yeah, okay, you can you can push all kind of things. Sure. But if we're saying, no, I want to, I'm a God follower, I want to be a God follower, I want to do the wise thing uh, about life, then you don't have to 
parse every prophecy. But I hear somebody saying off in the distance from afar through my headset, but Andy, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So if the fourth commandment, I know as Seventh-day Adventists, and I'm speaking directly to Seventh-day Adventists, us as a group here, (laughs) that we... We hold on to the fourth commandment like the nuclear football. It carries in the briefcase bias. There's right. unlock codes, and we hold that a little bit more dear. So what would we say well, to that? Well, Paul is very clear that the purpose of the law, the purpose of the law is to expose sin and drive us to Christ. In Galatians, he called him the schoolmaster that would escort the student to school from the wealthy person's home, let them go to school, and escort them home. That's what the law is. The law is to take us to Jesus. The law is to help us understand that God is so great and He's so perfect, and we aren't. And this law is the contrast thing there. And so it was when Jesus was here. You know, He just says, you know, you've heard that it said, don't murder. Yeah. Know? But I say to you, you know, if you're angry, if you're, you know, if you're, if you're upset, <laughs> if you're cruel to people, I mean, all that's a kind of murder kind of thing. Sure. And so you're right. We hold on to that peace. What was your question again? <laughs> if you love me, keep my commandments. Oh, how do we, yes, how do, we do How do we thank hold you. that? The commandments. Time? I was going to hang on to that word, commandments. <laughs> in his Jesus' last prayer, the night, the night before the crucifixion, he's with the disciples in John uh, 15, 16, 17, right in there. Uh, he says, a new command I give you. And when he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Right. He didn't say, keep the Sabbath holy. To the greatest of these is love. Yeah, he said, love your love go with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind, from Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, and then from Leviticus uh, nineteen eighteen, love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. And he says, these are two commandments of equal greatness. These are two big branches from the trunk of love. So if you think about a tree, the big trunk that contains it all is love. God is He's love. Okay. Yeah. We got that. This, we got this. That was in the sermon. So God is love, and it branches into love for God and love for man. And then we extend that to the rest of the commandments, some about God, some about man, some a little bit both. And then that goes on out to the 630 mosaic laws of, you know, all kinds of things. Well, those are all extensions, but they're all to push us back eventually to love to God, love to people, and then all the way back to just the concept of love, that God is love. So essentially, when someone looks at this and says, ah, there they go again, yeah, <laughs> talking about love. And we kind of we kind of talked about this last week, too. We get, we get accused of that. And we get accused of that a little bit. But essentially, without that and what the text that you just mentioned where Jesus laid this out, we're not just saying that the love gives you free range to just do whatever else no, and throw everything no, else no. aside. But really, if you're missing the point of what Jesus is talking about this as the greatest of these, because if you don't have these, if I have this, but right. I don't have love, I'm <clears throat> clanging some, I mean, that sure. whole list of that, things too. Yeah, it was in part of Jeff's last but, week a little bit. Yep. That, that's very, very clear. I mean, and Jesus comes to reveal the love of the Father to us. Yeah. I'm sure he lays down his life as a sacrifice. He, Jesus is the only means, the only mediator between God and humanity. But Paul says he's redeemed all things in heaven and earth to himself. That's pretty inclusive. It's all, yeah. <laughs> all things, not just people, but the creation. And so if that's the case, then it's all about a revelation of love of who God is now and get over ourselves thinking that if we practice our Christianity in a certain way, that we can be superior to another Christian or to a person of another faith or to a secular person that doesn't believe in God at all. Yeah. There's no place for superiority thinking. And I, I didn't say that as well as I should have in the message, but that's really one of the primary points of what I was trying to say. 
Well, and one thing, when we first moved to Orlando, we joined a Bible study, Bible study fellowship, mm-hmm. BSF great International. Bible. BSF, great. And I believe we went through the um, Israelites and I think it was on Moses and the temple and, and all that. It was a great study. And of course, if you don't know anything about this, you're not allowed to tell anyone what religion you come from right. so that everyone can supposedly just study from a position of – We're I, all people that are followers of Jesus. Oh, Jesus, yeah. right. I don't know that Andy's a Catholic and that, you know, whatever. Well, of course, anyone that believes in the Sabbath, which is a question they ask you before this because they know it's going to come up. And I thought I was the only one that got taken aside. But there was three other gentlemen in the class and men study with men, women study right. with women. But they were also Sabbath-keeping Sunday Protestants. Uh So it was this weird dynamic in the room. And after that Bible study was over and I started thinking about it, you know, the way I was raised, well, I don't know why they're keeping the Sabbath on Sunday because they're going to hell. (laughs) So that that doesn't make any sense. Why would you do that? And, you know, for them, the struggle was real. All big sports guys, they're going like, well, one guy's like, well, I'm college football, so I'm, I'm okay. And we're going like, well, I kind of like college football, but that's our problem. The other guys are going, man, it's NFL for me. I, you know, the games are all on Sunday, but we quit watching. I don't mow my grass. All things that, you know, their neighbors and other things. And traditional, I thought, traditional honoring well, of Sabbath. Right. And it was more prevalent in our group than I would have ever have guessed. So then I thought to myself, well, is God just going to say, well, you guys came close, but you didn't get it really, you didn't get it completely right. I have to say that the big dividing line oftentimes within our denomination has been over over the Sabbath. Yeah. I love the quotation from C.S. Lewis in The Great Divorce, where he talks about that in the end, there are only two kinds of people. Those who say to God, not my will, but yours be done. And those to whom God says, not my will, but yours be done. Oh, no. <laughs> that, that, all, that, all, that all they're in hell are there by choice. Everybody, everybody chooses. We get what we want yeah. in the end. And so the idea of, of it being about law keeping as opposed to a life that says, God, I want your will, not mine. God, I want your will, not mine. God, I, I mean, that's really what it's about. It's about surrendering of who we are, fallible, broken uh, this week it came to me uh, about how you've watched shadow plays, you know, mm-hmm. with hands. That that's really what we're when we think about. We know all about God. We're we're watching shadow plays. Paul says we see through a glass darkly, but eventually we'll see face to face. And so we get all proud about our interpretations or our <laughs> understandings and think we're superior. And we're 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 just we're, we're interpreting a shadow play. And well, it, God's the reality. The one thing that struck me was I don't even know why we believe that this inside track is so great anyway. I mean, everybody wants one. You know, the Israelites were God's people. They were the chosen people. Yeah, didn't work out well for them. And how did their experience I turn out? Well, look up Amos nine verse seven or seven verse nine. You'll have to. You'll know. You'll know when you get there. Um, are you Israelites? You think you're something? God says, "I brought you out of Egypt. I also brought the Philistines. I also brought the you know yeah. Kaftarites. These people that were arch enemies. God saying, I brought them out of where they were too. Yeah. I mean, don't think you're something all that all that and then some. You know, kind of thing. Yeah, and it never turns out well when you think you're well, that other piece, right? And and just that that mentality that I am going to lift myself up so I can so I can feel like I'm over you in some way. As opposed to I'm gonna I'm gonna put myself down so that I can serve you. Yeah, uh, the whole book of Philippians is about letting. I mean, Jesus comes down, leaves all of heaven, condescends to come down here and serve. And the whole call of Christianity, which is really challenging, is come and serve. Yeah, yeah. That's what, so that's what it means to love. You're gonna come and love people and serve them. 
Well, and there was a lot in your message. There was a lot of good quotes and just things that really put things into perspective. I, I enjoyed it immensely. So if you have not watched the message, don't just take our word for it here. <laughs> Listen to the rest of the sermon because it was really, really good. But as we quickly run out of time, one of our FHC takeaways from this past week asked, who will you serve love that they might become a lifelong friend of God? And last week, we finished our episode by defining love in the words of Dr. Stefanovic, a member here at the Florida mm-hmm. Hospital Church, as the readiness to serve. Fits nicely, of course, that this takeaway is we search out God and for who we might serve love to. And finally, we have thoughts from Andy's closing where he said, so now we can recognize that anyone who loves is born of God. Anyone. They're born again. And when we are empowered to go from here to be a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community, and in that very serving, we are loving them into a lifelong friendship with God. And if that statement doesn't move your heartstrings a little bit to just say, man, what an easier way to go about everything. If we can just get ourselves off of that need for that inside track and just join forces with everybody else and let's make this work. I don't have to argue till you agree with me. I just need to love you. That's it. Let's just do it. So then upcoming this week, we are still in this series, correct? We have two more? Loving the opposition. Oh. If you want to be prepared, go and read Matthew chapter 5. 38 through 48 about in that range, and it will stretch your mind beyond belief as you understand what it's really saying. All right. Well, we're going to have to find somebody next week. Maybe we can both, uh, well, we probably shouldn't say that because if we say we're going to invite someone that we have opposition to, then they'll know we have opposition to <laughs> yeah. them. So let's not do that. No, this has nothing to do. If you're asked next week to be on the podcast, I love you. I have that's no right. beef with you whatsoever. So anyway, that's going to do it for this week. As always, thanks to Andy and Tom and Jeff. I hope you're enjoying your time (laughs) off, even though you're probably not listening. But do join us again next Wednesday for episode 99. Thanks for listening and have a great week.